Welcome to the Iron Keel Collection. Today's article is titled, Are We Being Overwhelmed by Digital Technology? Subtitled, Is Digital, is digital Technology Getting the Better of Us? This was written November 28th, 2017. Getting a Good Night's Sleep As I am dozing off to sleep in bed, my wife next to me browses on her iPhone, seemingly unaware that every few seconds or so, there is a brief vibration alert from her WeChat app every time someone in her network makes a comment. She is so used to it that she is completely oblivious to it until I pointed it out to her. Finding how to switch, switch off the infernal alert was not completely obvious. It was almost so that the makers of the app intended it to be difficult to find. I am also guilty of browsing on an iPad before dropping off to sleep, and more often than not, I am usually browsing on some unimportant website which adds frankly no value to my day. Moreover, I have an extensive collection of books, many of which I have never read, collecting dust on my bookshelves. Yes, one can read these books from an iPad, but in my case, it seems to induce more eye strain and just does not have that tactile, tactile feel and smell of a book. Some of the best sleeps I've had was when I had no access to technology, had a well-ventilated room, a comfortable bed, a bedside lamp, and a book. Never really leaving home. At work... One of my colleagues is showing off how he can control and see everything in his house remotely from any computer using the Internet of Things, IoT. In addition, he can monitor exactly how much electricity is being used in real time and even measure the temperature and humidity within the house. And call me old-fashioned, but this is yet another layer of excessive technology giving us a distraction we probably really don't need. My day-to-day -day job as a systems program manager provides me with enough exposure to technology as it is. Digital technology is apt to break at some point. The most irksome thing about digital technology is that it is apt to break. The more complicated the technology is, the more likely it is going to go wrong. My house is completely networked. I have a sophisticated NAS drive, a network attached storage drive, which contains our important files, photos, and entertainment media. I have a network attached color laser printer. I have not one, but two sub-networks in the house, one for us and one for guests, which of course means another router to configure in the, in the network. I have a media tuner which is connected to the network so that I can stream movies to the TV. I even have a high-quality digital-to-analog converter which extracts high-quality audio files from the NAS drive to my stereo. I have security set up on two WLAN networks, and I have even configured them so that the channels are sufficiently spaced apart to give me optimum performance. This was by no means set up in one go. For example, it took a good day and a half to set up the network attached printer properly, only to find 
that I locked myself out of the user interface because I forgot my password, which meant resetting the damned th- damn thing to factory settings again. Well, the good news is that everything is working, at least for now. I do try to make a point of recording vital information on setting up the network, but can't quite remember where I saved it. Which brings me on to another problem. File storage. Electronic file storage and paranoia. How many of us have multiple external hard drives, USB flash pens, cloud storage accounts containing many multiple copies of the same files which you think you need to keep, but not really. I have many thousands of photos, music and video files. I have important documents which I have scanned to PDF. I have backups of websites scattered on different hard drives should any of them fail. And yes, hard drives can most certainly fail, and when they do, it can be catastrophic if it contains contains vital information which is not backed up elsewhere. For those Windows users amongst us, how many of us are paranoid of pulling out the USB cable of a portable external hard drive from our computer or laptop until we get the green go-ahead stating that it is now safe to remove your device? One time I did this without safely ejecting, and my portable drive was corrupted and had to be reformatted. Although this was more than 10 years ago, and things have improved since then. I even came across a story of someone not taking note of the private address and having $160,000 worth of cryptocurrency wiped out due to a failed hard drive. In a nutshell, keeping tabs on where your files are located is a Herculean task and nightmarish at best. Too much choice. Not content on waiting for scheduled TV, we have the ability to stream just about anything we wish to see. Now, admittedly, Australian TV is pretty dire unless you tune into SBS or ABC, but oddly enough, during my childhood years, I remember turning the pages of the Radio Times in the UK and circling the programs which we intended to watch and really looking forward to when they were going to be broadcast. I recollect that TV programming, where there were only four channels available, was of a fairly high standard. Although one could throw doubts at the third channel, ITV, a channel clearly aimed towards the masses with its endless reality TV and game shows. The first two channels, BBC One and BBC Two, did not and and still do not have advertising as far as I am aware. Channel Four had a minimal advertising, but it all changed with the advent of severe competition by the multitude of new digital channels breaking into the market each year. Then we moved on to VHS, and then on to DVD rentals, which offered, to a degree, a bit of an outing to the rental shop, browsing through the glossy covers of the DVD, hoping to hit on something worth watching. Video rental stores have pretty much died of death, and we are now scouring through cloud-based entertainment, struggling to decide what exactly to watch. On many occasions, I have been at an impasse with my wife, deciding what to watch, only to realise, once you start 
to watch something we both agreed on. It's getting rather late and really time for bed. Media equipment out of control. This brings me on how, how we receive our music and video entertainment. I know of no one who has not experienced troubles of some nature or another with today's overcomplicated media entertainment setups. Recently, my old media station gave up the ghost and I had to search for another on the market, which ended up being a machine with marginally more features but with even poorer build quality for the sake of cost cutting. It ended up being faulty in just over a year having had to be fixed under warranty. Then, then we have the issue of the multitude of video formats available, some of which do not work with certain media stations. Or one would have to go through the trouble and hassle of downloading the appropriate software to convert to a format which is compatible for playback. Playing music files through the stereo via the NAS drive is not without its issues either. I have a networked, high-quality digital-to-analog converter which sits between the stereo and the NAS drive. After purchasing the unit, the software developers ceased work on their native app, which meant having to hunt for compatible third-party apps to drive the unit. What was even more frustrating is that, occasionally, the system just stops working for no apparent reason, and you end up having to power everything down to reset it. This usually happens when you have visitors around and then you spend the next half an hour in the living room touring around with a dozen or so remote controls needed to reset and restart the music again. And on the subject of operating the system, more often than not, I will get a call from my wife, clearly frustrated, while I am away interstate on business asking me how to, to get something to work, which means a long, painful Q&A session on the phone, running through all the steps to fix it. I've only got myself to blame, really, for setting it up in the first place. Sometimes, I look back on the days when we were content with a small number of TV channels, and at best, 50 or so vinyl records to listen to. You need a laptop to fix a car. As I write this, I am soothed by my ancestral 18th century Watkin Owens grandfather clock ticking softly, not far away from me. Apart from an extremely old Bible published in the 13th century, which I somehow managed to adopt, it is the oldest thing in the house and still keeps very accurate time. As long as it is taken care of and round up each week, the clock will, no doubt, continue to tick on for hundreds of years. I cannot think of any modern device which will do the same. The same can be said for automotive and railway machinery. Those machines reliant on digital technology will generally fail or become obsolete within years or at best decades. One of the cars I had during the late 80s was a second-hand Rover SDI a brute of a car fitted with a Buick V8 engine which seemingly swallowed up whole refineries on a single trip across the UK. Mechanically, the car was fine. However, much like what happened to many cars manufactured during those years, the craze with the digitization 
was especially rife. There was nothing you could operate or look at which was not digital. The rover was effectively a write-off when the electronics began to fail. I remember Jaguar went all crazy digital with space-age looking interiors and great big LED displays flashing like a computer in an old Star Trek episode. Since then, digital technology has been toned down and hidden somewhat in many of our cars up to the present. For example, traditional analog dials and gauges and other old-style features have been ever more popular, although they may, in the background, be driven surreptitiously by digital technology. Our throwaway society. Another example I experienced recently is with my digital SLR camera. The camera came supplied with a high-quality lens which has provided me with five years of service until, for some reason, it recently stopped working, throwing an error on the screen of the camera. Replacing the lens would cost in excess of $1,000, so I had to bite the bullet and get the camera shop to fix the lens for $300 with no guarantees that the problem won't happen again in the future. You would expect that a camera lens would last a lifetime, Because it is reliant on digital technology for the motor, there is a high chance it will just simply break and malfunction. To add insult to injury, the manufacturer, like many other electronic manufacturers of its ilk, tend to seize supplying parts for equipment older than seven years. However, some manufacturers, for example Mercedes, had bucked this undesirable trend by supplying parts for discontinued models for many, many years in the future. So many consumer items seem to be designed on the basis that you will be throwing them away in the near future to be replaced with new. A great example is is with my color laser printer. The cost of replacing all the toners will exceed the cost of replacing the entire printer. The printer bought new already contains the toners supplied. Therefore, the cost of buying a new printer with its supplied toners is cheaper than replacing the toners. This is clearly scandalous. One of my colleagues suggested to me that I return the printer to the shop before its two-year warranty period expires, explaining that there is a fault with it. He explained that in most cases the shop would rather just ship it off to the manufacturer, who themselves in most cases will provide you with a new unit along with a new warranty. I think the two-year warranty period has just passed, so I am expecting my printer to fail any day now. Escaping Digital Technology A growing segment of our population is becoming ever more keen on stepping away from day-to-day technology free from the internet, free from social media, free from equipment reliant on digital technology breaking down. Many now know of the disruptive, addictive and antisocial nature of online gaming and other similar activities involving total immersion in a virtual world. Traditional pursuits such as outdoor sports and activities, board games, reading books, stamp collecting, 
face-to-face socializing or anything not involving digital technology is becoming a stronger focal point in recovering from digital stress in today's environment. Even today, many novelists avoid the use of any digital technology, although altogether and have deliberately chosen to live, usually temporarily in a nice setting, in isolation, armed with a manual typewriter and a ream of paper. There is evidence of a flippening with respect to how we want to be aided and succumbed by digital technology. I remember watching some old clips from the 1950s how everything will be completely automated in the home. You can picture the utopian image of the contented housewife in her glistening pink kitchen beaming a wide smile as a companion. Robbie the robot prepares the latest futuristic meal using the all-in-one food processor and cooking apparatus, while the husband enters the doorway, removing his hat and coat and embraces the family with open arms. Taking the example of the kitchen above, it is nearly 70 years later, the difference being that those very expensive food processors in the 1950s are now dirt cheap in comparison today, while a heavy cast iron pot and a set of quality knives forged with folded steel is now worth an arm and a leg today. Of course, mass production has much to account for this. However, saying that, there is an increasing segment of our population who have abandoned technology as much as humanly possible and seek to live a simpler artisan-type lifestyle. I know several friends scattered around the world that have adopted this approach. To cite a couple more examples, for those that listen to music, vinyl LP records and turntables have made a very big comeback over the last few years. As long as the LPs are looked after and a decent turntable is used, they will never deteriorate or fail unexpectedly, as some of my old CDs have. High-quality second-hand manual cameras using traditional film, for example, those made by Leica, are often in heavy demand and can command quite high prices. They will still work for many years to come, as long as traditional film is still available, of course. The upshot is, these will continue to operate, and provided they are looked after, they will not break. Summing it up. Now, I'm not necessarily averse to digital technology in general. Ever since I was a young teenager, I've been interested in computers and programming, starting with my first home computer back in the 1980s. I've also worked in the mobile communication space for most of my life, of which without digital technology would not exist. Medical procedures without the use of digital technology would be far more expensive and intrusive. They are countless of other positive use cases. However, there are some undesirable consequences of digital technology. A prime example of this is our seemingly unrestrained activity of gathering, storing, and processing massive amounts of personal data, usually with the intent on pushing sales through the use of targeted advertising. I believe, for many of us, we are now near a tipping point where digital technology could be getting the better of us. 
and now and again, just to escape it for a short time, can do us a world of good. Thank you for listening.